Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, Episode 5. We have a lot to talk about. Pro Tour is this weekend. We've been talking about it for a while, so it's finally here. A lot of people kind of wondering what's going on with Pro Tour, cards to look out for, decks to look out for. It's just a, it's a crazy time. Like always, we're going to talk about our hashtag trending segment. Uh, we have some hashtag MTG fish mail to address. And we're going to talk about Pro Tour, obviously, and what our thoughts, what the crew thinks about that. And But before we get to that, we're going to start off. Seth and Richard wanted to talk about the Moto Fate Reforged release. So how's it going, guys? Good. All right. So a lot of things to talk about. Uh, let's, let's just dive right in as usual. Uh, so Moto Fate Reforged, I will let you guys cover that. So Richard. Uh, yeah, so right now the release events are ongoing on Magic Online, and uh, I hopped into a couple release uh, queue sealed events and got really terrible sealed pools, so uh, <laughs> my my experience so far has not been very good. The, the weird thing is, it's actually very hard to play Fate Reforged on Magic Online. Manifest is a really weird uh, ability. The way it works is you can't pop over cards. So if there's a card that's manifest, I can't actually see what it does. So I found myself actually checking on Gatherer, like, the names of cards and things like that quite often, which was very awkward. But, um, you know, overall, it still feels like a very slow, uh, grindy, sealed format. You know, I still have to play some more. All right, what about you, Richard, uh, Seth? Well, I, I'm not a big fan of sealed, mostly because I suck at it. So I spent most of my time drafting. I've had a lot of fun with it. I've played a few of the triple Fate Reforge queues, which are, I mean, it's definitely not a real format, and it's pretty uh, goofy, but you can do some cool things. Like, I built a um, a Dark Deal mill deck with, like, a bunch of Dark Deals and a bunch of uh, Scavage cards, and I didn't do that well with it, but it was really fun. So, I mean, it's worth hopping into these triple Qs just because this is the only chance you get to play them, and you get so many copies of the cards because it's a small set that you can do some things that are just wacky. So I've had fun with it. As buggy as it is, it, you have issues with manifest. You can't see, like, what stuff's doing. It's kind of interesting. So did you find? Did you guys find that the events were not firing as quickly as normal? Because I know I, I had to wait quite a while for, like, my various events to fire off. Uh, I defer to you guys when it comes to Moto, because I, I really don't play Moto, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I thought I, it was weird. Usually during pre-release and release events, the queues are firing almost instantaneously, and all these queues were still firing, but I definitely had to sit there a couple minutes before my draft would kick off, so, so I'm not 100% sure if it's, I mean, I don't know, is it the Pro Tour? Is, are people focusing on Constructed right now? Uh, is it just that people don't like Fate Reforge? So what do you think, Richard? Yeah, I think we talked about this a bit earlier, but I think it's it's a combination of the new V4 client, the decreased payouts in the release events, and also uh, the redemption fee increases. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Magic Online, they're, they're slowly taking the value out of, of playing Magic Online. So a lot of people are just not playing and just going to the local gaming store, right? Like, why spend money to play Magic when you can go to your store and spend significantly less, right? So I feel people are, you know, a little bit gun-shy about Magic Online right now, and thus, you know, the queues aren't firing as much. Yeah. So any any kind of final thoughts on that before we move into talking about the Pro Tour? Um, no. Oh, the, the other news is the 
there's no Ugin alternate art promo. In the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just saw that. Fate Reforce pack, and that, I don't know, that's just a slap in the face of Moto players. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's one cool thing you can get on the pre-release, which was this limited, special, you know, edition Planeswalker, and then they removed it. So that makes it very awkward. And, you know, if I played in the pre-release, I'd be pretty mad if I found out, you know, these packs didn't actually yeah. have Ugin in them. The only rare is Altar of the Brood that I've gotten. Like, I've literally gotten every single event I've played, uh, Altar of the Brood is the only rare. So I'm not even sure what else <laughs> is out there. But, <laughs> that would be your luck. Yeah, that, so it's a, it's a little frustrating. Uh, so um, before we move on, too, are there any, like, trends on Moto going on right now? Uh, is it similar to Paper, where people are kind of picking up the same kind of cards from Fate Reforged? Um, I actually haven't been following the trend, so I'll defer that to Seth. Well, from what I've seen, that most of the focus has been on something we're going to be talking about in a few minutes, but on the mo- uh, the Modern Pro Tour. Like, most of the spikes I've seen have been based on that. As far as the Fate Reforge cards, they might be dropping slightly less, uh, less quick uh, as most sets do, which could be because there's less players playing them, so there's less supply. But they're reacting pretty normally. The cards are slowly uh, trending downward as the set is opened. Yeah, and I wanted to insert this um, here. Uh, so even with your article, no one's picking up Crucible of the Spirit <laughs> Dragon online. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't noticed that. <laughs> so great article. Uh, if you want to read that on MTG Goldfish, you could learn about why Seth bought a bunch of crucible of the spirit dragon and why i told him not to but it's okay he did it anyway and it's all right all right so that being said let's move on to what everyone is expecting us to talk about so pro tour and uh we're gonna go into this we have like hashtag mtg fish mail stuff about it the trending stuff you know is going to be directly related to it but we're just going to take this time to openly talk about everything pro tour some finance-related stuff, some just general thoughts on what we have about it uh, going into this weekend because a lot of people are kind of just picking some stuff up, some a little more questionable than <laughs> others, but I'll, I'll open it up to you guys first. So, Richard, Pro Tour. Yeah, so strangely enough, I'm pretty indifferent to the Pro Tour this time. Um, I don't play Modern. I'm not invested in Modern. I haven't spec on any cards. So, you know, anything coming out of the Pro Tour doesn't really affect me. So what I'm actually looking for is just some solid magic gameplay. You know, I want to see, you know, the John Finkel, Wolf Block, Galvanic Blast matches, things like that. So I'm just hoping that we have some really great top eight matches and uh, we'll we'll see how things shake out from there. Yeah, that's certainly a great point. Uh, I think some other people have talked about this. I think Corbin wrote a great article on people. You should go read that as well about... If you're going to be getting stuff now, like, or if, if you're going to be getting stuff for the Pro Tour, just get it now so like, you could be in the same position as Richard where you can actually just sit down and enjoy the Pro Tour without having to watch every single game on camera and just having to like scramble and grab, grab cards. I mean, if you're grabbing a, you know, a good amount of things that you feel good about, some may hit, some may not hit, but it, it might just take away from your viewing experience and... It, sometimes it's just good to just sit and just watch the Pro Tour and learn and uh, enjoy just some really good magic. So with that, what, what do you think, Seth? Oh, I definitely agree with you about buying your cards early. That's one of the things that's uh, 
changed recently. As as Corbin mentioned in his article, a, a few years ago, you could kind of wait until the day of the pro tour and pick up your specs once you start hearing things on social media or from the site. But now you're going to likely get your orders canceled anyway, or if you're a half hour too late, the cards are all going to be gone. So you definitely want to get on cards early if you are specking. As far as just the pro tour, I'm super excited. I'm the opposite of Richard. I do play modern, and, <laughs> and we just had the question is no longer what is the best treasure cruise deck. Now the question is, uh, is or pod or pod is uh, is dredge real? Uh, how good are the junk deck? We have a million questions, so I'm uh, I'm excited. Um, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. As someone who enjoys modern, and I've played my fair share of modern, bet I only play one deck the entire time robots just for anyone out there strictly robots player yeah it's like a brand new format and it's like really interesting to see what the pros are going to come up with because yeah there's just so many question marks going into this tournament like Seth said you know is dredge going to be a real thing is graveyard based strategy is going to be a real thing or are you know those kind of very mid-rangey decks that we have talked about in previous podcasts the junk the jund you know are they going to just be that good that Oh, everyone's just going to start playing them. There's certainly a lot of question marks. I don't have any inside info to give you guys, so all I can give is just some of my general thoughts on this. I think we will see, contrary to what a lot of a lot of what people may think, is that you know pros really kind of fall back on these junk and jun lists, which is probably going to be like these very safe decks, which is probably going to be true, uh, and blue decks. I think we're going to see our fair share of aggro decks too, because. Just looking at a lot of the trends, and I know it's not the most exciting thing to, in the world to look at results, but they go hand-in-hand hand with knowing about the format and knowing what cards to buy. Red has shown up a lot, and whether it be just purely red or variations of red-based decks or aggro decks, they have shown up quite a lot on there too, whether they be modern dailies or some even in you know the Star City IQs. So in terms of uh, archetypes... You know, what What are you guys' thoughts on that? I'll start with you, Richard. I know you're not the biggest modern fan in the world. Again, Richard is our legacy guy and limited guy. So, yeah. just archetypes. So, the great thing about Magic is we have players that love to play certain decks. And it's fun watching them try to jam their deck in whatever <laughs> metagame they're in, regardless of, you know, whatever is going around. So, you know, I'm very excited to watch John Finkel play Storm. I don't know if Storm is a good deck or not, but he always brings Storm, and he always does well. So it'll be very interesting to see him jam Storm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what even Flock brings, you know, what control deck is he going to play? Uh, is there even a control deck in Modern? Uh, if there is one, he'll be one to find it. So, you know, I like following the players, and, you know, I, I don't know what's actually going to shake, shake up, but... I'm excited to see if there's any new decks or if we're just going to see, you know, tuned existing archetypes. Yeah. And what about you, uh, Seth? Well, I've been uh, I've been playing a bit on Moto the last few days uh, in the two man queues mostly. And I've run into a ton of people playing random combo decks like the instant reanimator deck, um, trying to get Grizzlebrand into play on turn two, uh, the ad nauseum Phyrexian Unlife deck. Uh, I ran into Infect, Boggles, like, so there's a lot of weird things going on right now, at least on Magic Online, so I'm kind of excited to see if one of these big teams just goes completely against everyone's expectations, and instead of playing Junk or whatever uh, blue deck is best, 
just plays something off the wall and is trying to combo people off on turn one or turn two. Like, that's what happened the very first Modern Pro Tour when everyone was suiting up uh, Inkmoth ne- Ink Nexuses and killing people on turn one and turn two. So we might see something like that again. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, who knows? I mean, you said there's a lot of weird stuff going around. Uh, Jeskai Ascendancy-based decks. I mean, who knows? There's, It's just so wide open right now. There was a lot of diversity even going up to like these dailies and these IQs that I don't know what to expect, really. Uh, combo seems good. I don't know. Like, if there's various amount of combo decks, how do you prepare for so many different combo decks, right? How do you prepare for so many different, like, types of random stuff? It's tough. So I'm not certainly the one that's going to solve that. We'll definitely see come Pro Tour time and what the pros think. So um, any kind of final thoughts on Pro Tour? What would you like to see win the Pro Tour? Or who, specifically? Richard? Uh, I kind of want to see an aggro deck that's not Affinity. You know, I, I want to see the return of Zoo. <laughs> you know, I, I want to see someone cast one mana three threes and, like, actually win. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully someone will have a Zoo deck that actually works. That's hurtful. I, I love robots. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Seth? Uh, I'm hoping to see something playing Gifts Ungiven. That's my hope, is that a Gifts Ungiven deck of some kind wins the tournament. And as far as players, I love the Peach Garden Oath guys, especially Huey. So I'm kind of rooting for uh, William Jensen to put up a good showing. I like those guys too. So we're going to move into the last kind of couple segments here. Uh, so the hashtag trending segment. So just looking on, you can see these on mtggoldfish.com every single day. Just going through a few of these. So the hashtag trending winners that I'm looking at. Uh, Liliana of the Veil, Tarmogoyf, uh, Leon and Shikari, randomly got in there, Elish Norn, and some hashtag trending losers, uh, Soulfire Grandmaster, uh, Scarecrone, Whisperwood Elemental, Flooded Strand, Tazigur. Thoughts on, on those, Richard? Yeah, so I don't know what's up with Lily. Uh, so Liliana of the Veil's gone from maybe around 60 tickets. Uh, mid-January to 100 tickets right now. And then in paper, she's gone from 55 to about uh, 80. And isn't the uh, PTQ reprint coming up? I don't, I don't know what the schedule for that is, but yeah, it is. aren't we it's expecting about... some more Lilies to enter? So I'm not sure why she's just taken off. I'm not sure there's a deck that she's in that's suddenly going crazy. Is everyone getting their junk decks together, and that's what's causing this to happen? I'm not sure, but... That that price movement seems very dramatic to me. Yeah, it certainly is dramatic. I mean, not only do we have the the GP promo, like that that GP promo dropping soon, they have mentioned that she was going to be in this past core set uh, up until very like kind of last second. So that's a big red flag for me that they're already looking at to reprint her in a big way, not just the GP promo. Uh, what are your thoughts, Seth? No, I agree with you. I think that eventually she will be back in standard. I think they said that it was the mono black devotion uh, and how powerful that was um, from last season that kept them from reprinting it. One of the other ones I noticed that you didn't mention is Sierra's Ascendant or Sierra Ascendant. Yeah, Sierra's uh, Ascendant. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I forgot all about the Soul Sister deck, but maybe that's something that could pop up in left field uh, this coming weekend. Like, the price is up 10% this week, so someone apparently thinks that Sierra Ascendant might be playable in Modern, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the, the losers, 
the the you know one, the cards trending downward seem pretty straightforward. As supply is now coming out for Fate Reforged, we see cards like Tazigur taking a hit. But who knows? I mean, with a with a Pro Tour appearance, uh, if he's very popular, could go right the other direction again. But you know, Soulfire Grandmaster is not too surprising. These kind of very standard cards. Again, Whispered Elemental has now not seen play for for a while. These few last uh, events since Fate Reforged has been released. So obviously, it's just going to be trending downward the more times it's not played. So yeah, kind of final thoughts on that. Uh, I see uh, Waste Knot popping up too. Maybe a standard or modern version of that. And Court of Calling as well as maybe a replacement to uh, Birthing Pod based like Toolbox decks in modern. That could be uh, interesting as well. Richard? Yeah, so do we know why Goist is pushing 200? It seems absurd <laughs> to me. Yeah. Is Goist like the most expensive card like, single card to be played in a non-legacy, non-vintage deck? Like, it's 800 for a playset. Was there anything, like, how much was Jace when he was first released? Oh, man. I mean, during Standard... I think he was 150-ish, I think. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, 150. I mean, he hasn't been that for a while. I mean, he got the dual, the, uh, from the vault printing, but... We, I mean, you need from from the Lurgoy printing where you create a pack of twenty Tarmogoyfs. Yeah, like, I don't terrible. know what Wizards can do to keep this price down. This is just absurd. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, two hundred dollar Tarmogoyfs. I mean, it's really flirting with two hundred dollars. With more Pro Tour, uh, I'm assuming it's going to get more uh, time in the Pro Tour camera action and uh, deck lists in the top eight. I'm sure we'll have Tarmogoyfs. So. I don't know, can it, 200 is a lot. What do you think, Seth? At 200 is a lot, especially for a card that seems like an odds-on favorite to show up in Modern Masters 2015. So the there's a pretty uh, solid end date in sight. Um, and you, I have to think that they're going to release more of this Modern Masters than the last one. So while it might not drop dramatically if it's a mythic, I have a hard time imagining it going up like it did last time it was reprinted. So I definitely think that Tarmogoyf... I would be tempted to sell mine now just if I'm not if I'm not playing them in a pro tour or a GP like sell them now and then get back in this summer and play standard for the next few months or something. They have left breadcrumbs around that they could start printing cards like this even in standard again with this new like block rotation. I think it was Marrow or Aaron Forsyth. They mentioned that they could be seeing more aggressive reprints in this like new block structure. So I don't know. It just They've done it before, and when they've done it before, I have a good feeling that they'll do it again. So after enough reprinting, I mean, they're going to have to make a dent in this thing's price sooner or later. Yeah, $200 just seems, it doesn't seem like it can hold that price for that long, for them not to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it kind of challenges the integrity of Modern. Like, who, who's going to play Modern when you have to shell out $800 for four cards? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, if Modern's supposed to be affordable legacy, it's not hitting that with Goyce at 200. So if Wizards wants Modern to succeed, I suspect they'll have to do something. Maybe a Modern event deck with like two Goyce in it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they they printed a the first uh, Modern event deck. I mean, if that's something they want to do, that certainly seems like a card that needs to be in there, especially maybe in a multiple copy, to really do something to this thing's price. I mean, it's just it's getting out of control. So how much do you think that event deck would sell for? 
Well, they <laughs> they would want it to sell for a uh, an MSRP, but I don't know how many stores would honor that. So, but yeah. those aren't limited print run, right? They just make as many as they sell, right? Um, I believe those event decks are limited. No, if they're I, limited, I then... I don't know if it's like a commander deck where they just keep printing them until yeah. they don't... Yeah, they need to make it like the commander deck where initially you'll have to pay like 2 or 3x the actual MSRP. But over time, there will be enough supply that you'll actually just pay MSRP. Yeah, yeah. That or they put multiple copies in there. And if they put an MSRP on it, people aren't going to be buying a modern event deck with multiple goifs in it for double, you know, than what it's worth. Well, I mean, what, what about a promo printing? Yeah, what about F&M promo? <laughs> if, if you want to spur action for the community, I would get my ass out on Friday nights and play some magic if I could get a goal. Yeah, that would certainly be some incentive. My, I would certainly be in my car every single Friday to be uh, getting in on some F&M goyf action. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, they have to do something. So if if anyone from the Wizards, uh, you know, Aaron if or uh, Marrow, if you're listening to this, you know, do something. So, with that being said, let's get into some fish mail. So, our good friend Guo sent us a fish mail very last second. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We'll, we'll, we're going to get to it. I hope it's not too late for this week's fish mail. I would be interested to hear what cards uh, you guys are keeping an eye on for the Pro Tour. So, that's Guo Hang Chin. Wrote a great piece on modern stuff going into the Pro Tour, so... You can go read that as well. So I'll open it to you guys first. So, Richard? Yeah, so I'm going to defer to uh, the financial gurus over here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be grabbing a beer and just watching the Pro Tour, so <laughs> I'll let you guys handle that. Yeah, I, uh, I've i done most of my uh, purchasing. Uh, I might, you know, grab something, you know, on Friday while I'm out to the store or something like that. Yeah, the cards I've written, and we're going to talk about this actually in another fish mail. So I've been on scavenging news for quite some time. Uh, I know I've mentioned it in the literature that's out there for the Pro Tour that I put out there. I don't know how many other people, I'm sure people have mentioned it. So if you're out there and you've mentioned it and I don't know who you are or I have not remembered, I apologize. But yeah, I'm pretty big on uh, scavenging news. Just with all this talk of graveyard strategies, just seems like a great idea to be playing Scavenging Ooze. I've said this before. I'll probably say it till I'm blue in the face, and if it doesn't show up at Pro Tour, I'd be very surprised. So that and uh, a couple other ones that were written about, cards like uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel, not as much Treasure Cruise running around, so Eidolon just doesn't look so terrible. Yeah, Delver was a great matchup for it because they played all these little cantrip cards, but, you know, uh, Eidolon's still showing up. I mean, you're looking at the dailies, Red-based strategies are still showing up, and uh, the very staple cards of the graveyard-based strategies, so like Lotleth Troll, Gravecrawler, Vengevine, I don't know how much more Vengevine can go up at this point, but certainly Lotleth Troll and Gravecrawler. What about you, Seth? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the MTG price guys, both Travis and Gao, have uh, really done a good job putting out lists of different cards. So I agree with a lot of what they've said. I mean, cards that I'm looking at are uh, Scavenging Ooze, like you said. Restoration Angel um, has some appeal to it. It shows up both in the U-White-Red decks and in some of the Death and Taxes type builds, the White-Green builds. The graveyard stuff, 
uh, one card I'm not looking at is Magus of the Bazaar, which apparently <laughs> someone bought out this week. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm interested to see if somehow that makes it in a deck list, but that seems a little absurd to, uh, to me. Other cards I do like, Sphinx's Revelation uh, is pretty low still, fits into that control deck. Hive Mind, Amulet, uh, both of those are showing up more and more in the Bloom Titan deck. So there's a lot of different options, and I think uh, they've been pretty well covered out there. So I would tell you to read uh, Gao and Travis's articles and get some uh, more info from them, too. Yeah, that Bloom Titan deck certainly showing up a lot, even on the, the dailies. And certainly some of the, you know, the IQs, Steven Speck uh, topped with that list. Yeah, and you even tweeted out, like, uh, Hive Mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, so certainly interesting. I like Amulet there, too. We've certainly seen that it has gone up before in the past. So with, you know, Bloom Titan being so popular, could uh could certainly happen again. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, nothing is in MTG Finance, but, <laughs> you know, so... So um, is, is Amulet actually a popular deck, or is it just Steven Speck taking down every tournament? It, it's actually shown up a lot on the dailies uh, since the banning. So th- this type of deck is actually, its matchups are still very good in this metagame right now. I don't know if that's going to change come Pro Tour, but from what we're seeing in the dailies and the IQs, it's still pretty popular. It's not just Steven Speck. Sure. But that could, it certainly could be attributing to that. Just, just making sure it's not the Tom Ross effect where <laughs> it's just... He's just so good that whatever deck yeah. you put in his hands, it, it will it will top eight for sure. Well, he certainly does stick with Bloom Titan. He certainly has done well with it, so I give him props to that. But yeah, it's still it's it's a popular deck. I don't know if he made it popular, but it's it's popular. So another hashtag MTG fish mail by Jason W. So at maybe an in-depth look at one or two cards over the course of each podcast, talking about spreads, multipliers, and supply. Yeah, well, uh, Jason asked me about some of the, the foundational stuff of MTG Finance, specifically spreads, multipliers, and supply. So uh, I know that, Chaz, you're going to talk about one card in specific in a minute, but I just wanted to quickly go over what those three things are, just in case you don't know. Um, spread is the difference between the lowest sell price from a vendor and the highest buy price. So right now I'm looking at Restoration Angel. Uh, the highest buy price is $5.35. The lowest sell price is right about $6.50. So that means Restoration Angel spread is somewhere around 20%. Multiplier is the difference between the price of a foil copy and a non-foil copy. So if a foil copy is $6 and the non-foil is $2, that would be an X3 foil multiplier. That normally falls somewhere between 2 and 4, the multiplier for most cards. So once it gets outside of that range, it's something to look at. The last thing is supply, and that's a little harder to explain quickly, but basically it comes down to what set the card was printed in, how many times it's been reprinted, and how many like promo copies. So um, you can also look on like TCG Player and those sites, and you can see how many vendors are selling how many copies of a card. So those are the big three. Yep, perfect. So to answer this and just to fully answer the question, to look at an in-depth card. So we all chose Scavenging Ooze. And um, so you have to do a little more research. um, So a little more research-based. You also want to know before looking at all that, is how much the card is actually played. So you're much more inclined to buy a card that's seeing uh, a lot of play as opposed to a random sideboard card. We have seen a card like 
periphery nodes in the past that was a sideboard card that jumped for, you know, over the course of a night and then came crashing down because it's a sideboard card. You want those cards that are main deck, four ofs, that are seeing a lot of play. So looking at Scavenging Ooze, and again, full disclosure, I, you know, have wrote about Scavenging Ooze and I am uh, I have copies of Scavenging Ooze just for that. So I looked from the time the BNR announcement uh, was made, all the events on mtggoldfish.com. So there were Modern Dailies, a Premier IQ Indie, and this is not even counting, uh, there was, a, I think, the IQ, there was another IQ somewhere in there. But So 139 copies of Scavenging Ooze in the last nine events. So that's a lot. They're usually in every deck that they are in, whether they show up, some uh, some modern dailies, they show up way more than others. So the disparity, 21 copies uh, on the 27th modern daily, as opposed to six copies uh, on the 28th modern daily. But in each of those lists, they were a three of or a four of. So uh, usually showing up in junk and jun lists. So the spread that me and Seth have come up with, so it's about a high teens to low 20% spread. The They're buy listing for three and uh, an average of three and selling for an average of four. So that's pretty good. Uh, and the supply we looked up on all the copies on TCG Player uh, near Mint. Uh, so the Commander, 210 copies. The Promo, 147 copies. And the M14, 154 uh, sellers. Sorry, those are all sellers on all versions of the card. So a few things that we wanted to note on, uh, Seth mentioned this too, so the promo and the regular M14 version are the same price. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, answers uh, that question. Any kind of final thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think scavenging news is a good place to be, and I mean, it's, it's definitely got an attractive spread. I did want to mention quickly that with the promo copies, Sometimes uh, having a foil promo printing can do weird things to the foil multiplier. So if there is a foil promo, uh, don't take the normal two to four foil multiplier to be the be all and end all because the foil promos can throw that off a bit. I think we touched on everything we wanted to touch on. Richard, I, I know it was kind of me and Seth driving that for a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of winded. So um, on all that uh Oh, that's that fine. My, my job's easy here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sitting here relaxing, getting ready for the Pro Tour. Uh, yeah, but there's, there's not much happening this week. Uh, the Pro Tour is what everyone has their eyes on, and it's interesting to see where Modern as a format goes after this Pro Tour, whether a lot of people you know, start buying into the format, they get hyped up, or no one cares, and you know, we move on to the next set. Uh, Dragons of Turkir is already on the horizon. I think like two weeks yeah. after the Pro Tour, we'll get spoilers. Um, wow. So, yes. Fast. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how things play out. And hopefully the coverage will be top-notch this time. Hopefully LSV will be there. I don't know. And uh, we, we'll get some good <laughs> matches. <laughs> All right, Seth, final thoughts. Uh, poor LSV. I find myself rooting for him to scrub out because I want to see him do commentary. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people share that sentiment, which is unfortunate, I guess, for him trying to do well in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to mention, yeah, Richard is right. This is, I'm working on an article on this, and we can talk more about it later, but we have some weird time frames going on with 
Fate Reforged into Dragons of Tarkir uh, into Modern Masters. Like, there's a short time period between all three of these sets. Um, and what this means and everything is uh, a whole big, long story. But it's very interesting. Like, one month after uh, the first week of Dragons of, or of Fate Reforged, we're getting spoilers for the next set, which is, it doesn't happen that way. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, something to keep in mind, because this is going to do some uh, interesting things to the financial aspects of these sets. Certainly is. Uh, supply things always come into play there. So, looking forward to that article. Yeah, that about wraps everything up. Thank you for everyone who has sent in uh, hashtag MTGFishmail. You can always uh, tweet us and use that hashtag, and we'll get to everyone's questions. And uh, thank you for joining us on Episode 5 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast.